diabetes is a global pandemic of non-communicable disease and India has over 77 million patients already. Medical management, which is effective, is the key to prevent complications and improve the quality of life of patients. Myself, Dr. Ashwini Zoshi, from Aloha Lifestyle Reversal Clinic and Dinanath Mangeshkar Hospital, a practicing diabetes specialist. Today, it's a pleasure to interview one of the eminent and senior most diabetes specialists of the city, Dr. Suhas Erandesar, who is going to discuss the rationality of combination of SGLT2 inhibitors and DPP4 inhibitor combinations. Over to you. Thank you, Dr. Ashwini, and a good morning to all the uh, people who are getting here. Uh, we are very well aware that we are in the throes of a gross pandemic of metabolic problems and non-communicable diseases. Diabetes, the number of them diagnosed in our country hovers right now at around 8 crores. More than half of these are probably undiagnosed and equal number, that is around 8 crores, could be on the verge of getting diabetes, that is pre-diabetes. Professor Ralph D. Fronzo has actually explained the ominous octate which are the different pathophysiological defects or lacunae in the type 2 diabetes mechanisms. And when we treat or manage diabetes, it is better to have a pathophysiological approach using initial combination therapy, which addresses different facets of the ominous octet pathophysiology. Multiple drugs combos can be required to address various pathophysiological defects and drugs that target the known pathophysiological defects, help counteract each other's side effects are always better to be combined. Treatment shouldn't be based only keeping HbA1c glucose control in mind, but given organ protection. So Professor Herzl Gustin and Professor Melanie Davis insist on what is called as patient-centered, outcome-oriented approach to manage diabetes. Intensive treatment early in the course of type 2 diabetes should be preferred to prevent or halt the progression of the beta cell failure. And few of the various pathophysiological abnormalities can be targeted with multiple anti-hyperglycemic drugs or anti-diabetic drugs, which few can target multiple pathophysiology. It is also important to uh, mention right now that time in range is something which is an important metric of assessing hyperglycemia and it is necessary to reduce uh, TIR, improve TIR to reduce organ complications. Both the drugs which we are going to discuss today, that is HGLT2 inhibitors, sodium glucose co-transporter inhibitors and gliptins, the dipeptidyl peptidase 4 enzyme inhibitors have been showing improvement in time in range Gliflozins have effect on both fasting as well as postprandial glucose and gliptins have a predominant addressal of the postprandial sugar. Both these drugs have low risk of hypoglycemia and that's why they can reduce the glycemic variability as well, which could be the root cause of some amount of oxidant strain generation and maybe endothelial dysfunction. The need to repeat time in range evaluation has been recommended by the South Asian investigators. However, 
if you are using glyphosins glyptins especially on the background of metformin the repeat need of time in range is certainly less and in indian situations that can reduce the cost of management as well right sir so what according to you are the benefits of then combining anti diabetic drugs such as sglt2 inhibitors and dpp4 inhibitors when they are initiated in patients yeah uh, in the olden days when we knew chiefly the beta cell secretory defect and the insulin resistance as the second pathophysiological feature of type 2 diabetes metformin and a secretagog sulfonylurea was a very uh, popular combination treatment which addressed the pathophysiology but with the evolution of knowledge and with the uh, different pathophysiological factors coming to our understanding the defronzo ominous octet there are more drugs which can address these added or additional pathophysiological defects so glyphosins and glyptins the combination not only address the multiple pathophysiological defects of type 2 diabetes what with the beta cell stimulation in a glucose dependent manner by the dpp4 inhibitors the incretin defect correction by the glyptins themselves then the addressal of some amount of insulin resistance by reducing hyperglycemia especially by the hglt2 inhibitors relieving the glucotoxicity and improving the beta cell sensitivity then reducing the hglt2 overexpression in the proximal convoluted tubules of the kidneys and thereby uh, reducing the uh, hyperglycemia and also improving the metabolic milieu is something which is important and these actions are absolutely complementary to each other so if we combine glyphosin and gliptin especially on the background of metformin then practically six out of the eight pathophysiological type 2 diabetes defects are addressed and important here they can be metformin first gliptin later and glyphosin as the third agent or after metformin we can always use a glyphosin gliptin fixed dose combination therapy as well so we have a good convenience and uh, as professor andrew sheen has already elaborated it is always better that if you are sequencing the treatment it should be metformin then gliptin and then a glyphosin which gives a better glycemic improvement rather than metformin glyphosin and then gliptin this is something something which is a you can say very important observation so uh, if we really look into the beauty of the combination another few facets need to be mentioned here at the pancreatic level the aglt2 inhibitors actually indirectly improve the beta cell sensitivity by giving relief of hyperglycemia but they automatically as a counter regulatory mechanism they tend to actually uh, result in increased levels of glucagon which is hyperglucagonemia now the dpp4 inhibitors address the alpha cell pathophysiology of type 2 diabetes so they actually lessen or reduce the hyperglucagonemia naturally the insulin glucagon ratio doesn't tilt in favor of glucagon the possibility of generation of the euglycemic ketoacidosis is negated and it is very important to actually go into the depth of this understanding it is said that the uh, glycosuria which is the main mechanism by which the hglt2 inhibitors improve the hyperglycemia practically 50% of the benefit of this is offset 
because of this generation of hyperglucagonemia and now we can imagine that if that hyperglucagonemia is addressed by the combination of a gliflozin and a gliptin then the full benefit of hglt2 inhibitors can certainly be enjoyed by the patient so this is something which we have to really understand the practical aspect of the story goes something further what with the side effect the commonest side effect of a hglt2 inhibitor it is either in the form of urinary tract infection which is uncommon but degenerative urinary mycotic infection is something which we certainly observe in a number of patients the number can vary between 3 to 5% to maybe even more than 10% and this can be a reason that some patients just stop to continue the use of hglt2 inhibitors if we simultaneously use a fixed dose combination or a maybe a separate uh, drugs like hglt2 inhibitor as well as agliptin then because of two mechanisms the incidence of genitourinary mycotic infections or the risk of these infections is reduced one proposal is that some offending organisms which are responsible for genitourinary mycotic infections they have a dpp4 presence in them their own cells and because of the inhibition of that by the dpp4 inhibitors their growth is curtailed one reason of that there is another reason that dpp4 and hglt2 proteins their interaction at the level of the kidney tubules the proximal convoluted tubules that itself is something which can abate the risk of genitourinary mycotic infections so these two mechanisms certainly make the combination of gliptin and gliflozin not only very well entrenched pathophysiologically but in practice the side effect also is curtailed and pathophysiological level hyperglucagonemia or gliflozins is reduced by the simultaneous use of dpp4 inhibitors it is also important to mention right here that in the preclinical studies especially the drug linagliptin has shown number of benefits for example it helps reduce albuminuria it helps reduce inflammation and oxidant strain it reduces the hepatic fat content improves the endothelial function it actually improves the wound healing as well and especially linagliptin has been shown to improve diastolic dysfunction which is typical of diabetes and uh, the fibrosis markers of uremic cardiomyopathy also are reduced mind you some of these observations are from uh, human isolated islet cells and some of the observations are in the witzer rat model the partner hglt2 inhibitors in the preclinical studies they have actually shown excellent results of course these are very well let's say reverberated in the randomized control trials as well so augmentation of the signal transducer and activator of the transcription of what is called as stat3 which inhibits the sodium hydrogen antiporter nhe1 which improves the uh, risk of hypernatremia in fact this is one of the factors which reduces the intracellular sodium concentration there is a improvement in the mitochondrial bioenergetics modulation of the natriuretic peptides improvement in the vascular stiffness as well as autonomic tone and reduced oxidant strain and improvement in the cardiac energetics all of these happens under the influence of hglt2 inhibitors madam i can certainly extend my response here by specifically looking at the asian indian phenotype the typical thin fat wherein we have some of the peculiar indian features of type 
2 diabetes. For example, we have early onset of type 2 diabetes as well as cardiovascular disease one and a half decade earlier than the Western populations. Our dyslipidemia, which is featured by low HDL, high TG, and a subtly raised LDL, which is more dense. We have higher hepatic fat, so NAFLD. We have a higher insulin resistance, probably because of the increased visceral adiposity. We have a early beta cell mass decline and beta cell dysfunction. We consume more of fats and we have a dominant sedentary lifestyle. DPP-4 inhibitors have certainly been proved in huge randomized controlled clinical trials as well as in the real-world evidence. They have a better action, that is better glycemic lowering action profile, especially in the Indian and Asian patients. DPP-4 expression in the omentum or the viscera is probably higher in the Asian patients compared to the Western group of patients, and that's why we have a better gliptin action in our patients. Also, the subgroup analysis of the famous MPAR-REG study, the Asian type 2 diabetic patient subgroup, that has shown a consistent reduction of major adverse cardiovascular events as well as major adverse renal events in the Asian type 2 diabetic patients with established ASCVD. And this is something which is important for the practitioners in India. Right, sir. So you have enlightened most of us on the basic pathophysiology followed by the pharmacokinetic and pharmacodynamics of both the molecules, made be linagliptin and empagliflozin, through various clinical evidences and real-world data. That was extremely elaborate, sir. And you have also thrown light on the clinical rationale of combining these two drugs that is so very important. Now, if I have to ask you, how will you guide your peers to choose the patient profile who would definitely benefit from this particular combination? As you have already mentioned about the Asian phenotype, but whether it will work on thin Indians or fat Indians, what is your opinion, sir? That's an excellent question, Dr. Ashwini. Uh, unfortunately, we have a lot of guidelines, the ADA, EHD guidelines, the ACE guidelines, our own RSADI, ESI guidelines, etc. However, there is nothing like after metformin, if the patient has ACVD, HF, DKD, we have to choose more of HGL2 inhibitors or GLP-1 analogs. Steering clear of hypo, we want to choose between either HGL2, GLP, AGSI, glitazone, or maybe a gliptin, etc. That is already guided by the ADA EHD guidelines. However, there is nothing like after metformin, a combo of gliptin gliflozin. Is there a guideline? So there is nothing like a guideline as far as this issue is concerned. And it is important to appreciate actually that we have certainly got to give preference to these drugs simply because the combination also to simply because metformin, gliptin, gliflozin, that sequence that steers clear of hypoglycemia. And probably this is a bill which fits all our patients. Nobody likes hypoglycemia, neither the patient, patient's family, neither the consultant. So this is something which is a very clear indication of choosing these drugs. Now, I can give you some of the important, uh, uh, let's say, details of the same. For example, if we have to manage a type 2 diabetes and if we have already started with a lifestyle modification and maybe we are now contemplating starting off metformin, so this is a treatment naive patient. And let us say that if the patient is not able to tolerate metformin or 
metformin is contraindicated for maybe because of the reduced egfr or whatever and his hba1c is more than 8% certainly he requires a combo and preferably a combo of a gliptin and a gliflozin can certainly come handy in these situations there could be another situation here the patient is on metformin but for the other modalities he is uh, not exposed so his treatment naive except maybe on board metformin his hba1c is more than 9% and we know that this is a situation where a combo of a gliptin and gliflozin certainly can be handy let me share with you a very recent publication which actually has used something which is a step ahead of what i am talking the patient is already on metformin and sulfonylurea the patient's hba1c is at least less more than 8 but not more than 9 so between the 8 to 9 uh, window of hba1c if we use a gliptin gliflozin combination here then the hba1c can certainly be reduced and practically 50% of the patients can achieve a hba1c target of less than 7 in fact 20% patients achieve even a less than 6.5 target also and the gliptins which are used here is generally either citagliptin or linagliptin or vildagliptin the gliflozins used here are either dapagliflozin or empagliflozin and this is a recent publication of april 2022 so this is something which can certainly come handy then there could be another patient type who is uncontrolled on metformin and hba1c is just refusing to come down and the patient actually you are actually concerned whether this patient because of the irregular lifestyle or whatever he is more at risk of hypoglycemia so though his hba1c is high maybe 8.5 or so you can certainly use a combination of hglt2 inhibitor and agliflozin another way of looking at it if you have already got a patient who has been set with some kind of nephropathy or some amount of heart failure or maybe a acvd then an appropriate combination for example empagliflozin linagliptin this is one of the most you can say appropriate combinations because empagliflozin already has proved its meritocracy in the reduction of mace and mer that is major adverse renal events linagliptin has also been proved to be in the carolina and carmelina trials it has been proved to be useful at least neutral as far as any harm to the cardiovascular system is concerned and for albuminuria it certainly works in a different mechanism to reduce the albuminuria so if we are imagining selecting a combination of gliflozin and gliptin then we have empalina dapasaxa artusita rimovilda and canatenelli available on the world platform of course ertusita and canateneli are not available in india but remaining three are there we can expect a patient who is on metformin or a patient who is drug naive we can expect at least 1% or even more improvement in hba1c by any of these combinations and it has been proved in a huge real world evidences especially in the japan and some other eastern asian countries it is important to appreciate that if we are looking at a drug naive patient metformin not tolerated or contraindicated hba1c more than 8 you can start a gliflozin gliptin combination if the patient is on metformin and hba1c is more than 9% again we can start with a gliptin gliflozin combination here and patients who are reluctant to go on insulin they are on metformin sulfonylurea combination here also you can imagine a gliptin gliflozin combination and empa dapa on the background of glimepiride metformin 
especially and vildagliptin sitagliptin in different combinations they have been actually proved to improve the hba1c from as high as 8.5 or maybe even 9 to a target more than 50% patients are successful in achieving less than 7% in this four drug or quadruple therapy scenario and this is a very late publication april 2022 so i believe that if a patient is thin body mass index is low we should be cautious as far as the hglt2 are concerned we don't know whether the beta cells are sufficient but gliptin certainly can be there we are viscerally fat so this is something which we have to bear in mind and if the patient is either a normal bmi or a body mass index more than 27 which is overweight obese category as far as the asian indian people are concerned we can certainly use the combo as well and this is something which can be handy as far as uh, our day to day practice is concerned i believe this addresses uh, the question you have in mind uh, madam yes sir indeed and you spoke lots about how we can keep uh, achieve a target hba1c keep the patient in a time in range we want a drug which is weight neutral or maybe weight loss how it can be cardiovascular safe and we also do not want hypoglycemia so uh, looking at the so many options available to treat the patients when it comes to combining sglt2 inhibitors and dpp4 inhibitors so what is your clinical experience with especially empagliflozin and linagliptin fixed drug combination and what is the rate of observed incidence of hypoglycemia while using this particular combination sir two aspects uh, of the question the first if there is a established organ complications and it may not be every time a acvd where empa of course comes on board as a drug of choice but somebody who is a newly diagnosed or maybe he is a diabetic duration of some time then because of the special mechanisms of action of both these drugs both empagliflozin which acts completely independent of the beta cells uh, etc they act at the level of the proximal convoluted tubules any duration of diabetes newly diagnosed 2 year old 5 year old or a long standing diabetes maybe even on a insulin therapy we can imagine using uh, empagliflozin and even linagliptin also simply because they are helpful at any duration of the type 2 diabetic situation two if there is a secretagog on board or if there is insulin on board with the induction of empalina combination or maybe empa or lina in isolation we have to actually curtail the dose of take back the dose of the secretagog sulfonylurea or maybe we have to reduce anticipatory uh, maybe even anywhere between 10 to 20% of the dose of ongoing insulin so as to avoid the risk of hypoglycemia so that's the second part of your answer coming again back to the first part of the uh, answer the important issue here is empalina both the drugs have been shown to be empa has uh, proved to be extremely successful as far as the reduction of cardiovascular deaths are concerned 38% reduction of cardiovascular deaths even in patients who have established ascvd they reduce the relative risk of heart failure new onset heart failure by at least 30% reduction of heart failure hospitalization by at least 33% and they have also been proved to be safe and helpful for progression of albuminuria they revert the albuminuria to normal albuminuria and the relentless decline of egfr also is halted by empagliflozin so the reno protection is proved albuminuria reduction has already been proved by linagliptin linagliptin has proved its cardiovascular neutrality in the carolina trial so considering all this 
this combination empalina is something which is extremely you can say rigorously rct backed and it is something which my own experience is it is the best combination available as far as the uh, hgl2 and gliptin story is concerned the remaining dapa sexa we already have alluded to rimovilda not literature back uh, most of the times rimogliflozin has uh, been in use but it's uh, a scientific uh, foundation or scientific publications which back rimogliflozin are not as robust as maybe for lina sita wilda sexa etc so from that point of view uh, the uh, science also backs empalina and my own experience whatever is there uh, certainly it also backs empalina i have already addressed that uh, avoiding hypoglycemia by reducing the dose of a secretagogue or insulin if it is on board yes sir so a perfect combination which we would use for anybody who is newly detected diabetes from that spectrum to somebody who has got advanced diabetes with nephropathy with cardiovascular disease maybe so it was such a elaborate discussion from your end on this particular combination thank you so much sir for this thank you madam thank you so much